Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Reads. One of the reasons that Free Reads had a hiccup a couple of weeks ago was that I had jaunted off to Chicago for ShyCon, the 70th World Science Fiction Convention. This annual gathering of writers and readers, professionals and fans of all stripes usually takes place around the Labor Day holiday and is one of the conventions I try always to attend. I had a fairly light schedule this time around, a reading in which I read the opening of The Last Judgment, although my rendition isn't a patch upon that of Genevieve Achel's, which was featured here earlier this year, and three, count them, three signings, in large part due to the publication of the new anthology that my pal John Kessel and I edited, Digital Rapture, the Singularity Anthology. My favorite of the two panels I did was called Podcasting 101, which included an all-star podcasting crew of Kate Baker, Murr Lafferty, Patrick Hester, Travis Heerman, and me. We geeked out about hardware and software, technique, and audience building. This last gave me pause because it's been a while since I have made a concerted effort to entice more ears to our little party. I'm mulling over several strategies, but if any of you out there in Free Reads land have any ideas or insights into what I might try, I'd really like to hear from you. Meanwhile, we have an eventful double episode, as promised, of The Wreck of the Godspeed to get to. So let's return to Adel, who is about to embark on one of the most eventful and disturbing spacewalks of his short life. Day 5 There are two kinds of pilgrimage, as commonly defined— One is a journey to a specific, usually sacred place. It takes place and then ends. The other is less about a destination and more about a spiritual quest. When we decide to jump to a threshold, we most often begin our pilgrimages intending to get to the Godspeed or the Big D or Bizu Bizu, stay for some length of time, and then return to our ordinary lives. However, As time passes on board, we inevitably come to realize, sometimes to our chagrin, that we have been infected with an irrepressible yearning to seek out the numinous, wherever and however it might be found. Materialists don't have much use for the notion of a soul. They prefer to locate individuality in the mind, which emerges from the brain but cannot exist separately from it. They maintain that information must be communicated to the brain through the senses, and only through the senses. But materialists have yet to offer a rigorous explanation of what happens during those few seconds of a jump, when the original has ceased to exist and the scan from it has yet to be reassembled. Because 
during the brief interval, when there are neither senses nor brain nor mind, we all seem to receive some subtle clue about our place in the universe. This is why there are so few materialists. Adel had been having dreams. They were not bad dreams, merely disturbing. In one he was lost in a forest where people grew instead of trees. He stumbled past shrubby little kids he'd gone to school with, and great towering grown-ups like his parents and Uncle Derwin and President Adriana. He knew he had to keep walking because, if he stopped, he would grow roots and raise his arms up to the sun like all the other tree people. But he was tired, so very tired. In another, he was standing backstage watching a play he'd never heard of before, and Sister Li Hong tapped him on the shoulder and told him that Gavrila had called in sick and that he would have to take her place. And then she pushed him out of the wings, and he was on stage in front of a sellout audience, every one of which was speedy. And he stumbled across the stage to the bed where Jarek waited for him, naked Jarek. And then Adel realized that he was naked too, and he climbed under the covers because he was cold and embarrassed, and Jarek kept staring at him because he, Adel, was supposed to say his line. But he didn't know the next line, or any line. And so he did the one thing he could think to do, which was to kiss Jarek. On the mouth, and all the speedies in the audience gave him a standing ovation, which woke him up. Adel blinked. He lay in bed between Mary and Jarek. Both were still asleep. They were under a yellow sheet that had pink kites and blue clouds on it. Jarek's arm had draped loosely across Adel's waist. In the dim light, he could see that Mary's lips were parted, and for a while he listened to the seashore whisper of her breathing. He remembered that something had changed last night between the three of them. Something. But what? Obviously, his two lovers weren't losing any sleep over it. Speedy had begun to bring the lights up in Mary's room, so it had to be close to morning chime. Adel lifted his head but couldn't see the clock without disturbing his bedmates, so he tried to guess the time. If the ceiling was set to gain twenty lumens a minute, and Speedy started at 0600, then it was... He couldn't do the math. The something was... Jarek, yes. Adel realized that he'd enjoyed having sex with Jarek just a bit more than with Mary. Not that he hadn't enjoyed her, too. There had been plenty of enjoying going on, that was for sure. A thrilling night all around. But Adel could be rougher with Jarek than he was with Mary. He didn't have to hold anything back. Sex with Jarek was a little like wrestling, only with orgasms. Adel had been extremely doubtful about sleeping with both Mary and Jarek, until Mary had made it plain that was the only way he was ever going to get into her bed. The normal buzz of his opposites had risen to a scream. Their deliberations had gotten so shrill 
that he'd been forced to mute their input. Not that he didn't know what they were thinking, of course. They were him. Jarek had been the perfect gentleman at first. They had taken turns pleasuring Mary until the day before yesterday, when she had guided Adel's hand to Jarek's erect cock. An awkward moment. But then Adel still felt like he was all thumbs and elbows when it came to sex anyway. Jarek talked continually while he made love, so Adel was never in doubt as to what Jarek wanted him to do. And because he trusted Jarek, Adel began to talk as well. And then to moan, whimper, screech, and laugh out loud. Adel felt extraordinarily adult fucking both a man and a woman. He tried the word out in the gloom, mouthing it silently. I fuck, you fuck, he, she, or it fucks. We fuck, you all fuck, they fuck. The only thing that confused him about losing his virginity was not that his sexual identity was now slightly blurry. It was his raging appetite. Now that he knew what he had been missing, he wanted to have sex with everyone here on the Godspeed, and then go back to harvest, and then fuck his way through Great Randall Science and Agricultural College, and up and down Crown Edge. Well, that wasn't quite true. He didn't particularly want to see the man-mans naked, and the thought of sleeping with his parents made him queasy, and now that he was an experienced lover, he couldn't see himself on top, underneath, or sideways with his ex, Gavrilla. But still, he'd been horny back on harvest, but now he felt like he might spin out of control. Was it perverted to want so much sex? Adel was wondering what color Sister Li Hong Rain's hair was and how it would look spread across his pillow when Kamila spoke through the closed door. Send Adel out, she said. But put some clothes on him first. Adel's head jerked up. How does she know I'm here? Time is it, said Mary. Don't know, Jarek moaned and gave him a knee in the small of the back. But it's for you, brother, so you better get it. He clambered over Mary and tumbled out of bed onto her loafers. Their clothes were strewn around the room. Adel pulled on his sanaware, the taut silver warm-ups that Mary had created for him, and his black soft walks. The black floss cape had been his own idea, a signature, like Kamila's medallion or sister's veil. The cape was modest, only the size of a face towel, and was attached to his shoulders by the two merit pins he'd recycled from his host uniforms. He paused in front of a wall, waved it to mirror mode, combed fingers through his hair, and then stepped through the door. Kamila leaned against the wall with her medallion in hand. She gazed into it thoughtfully. How did you find me? said Adel. I asked Speedy. She let it fall to her chest, and Adel saw the eating man again. Adel had noticed that her eating man had reappeared again and again, always at the same table. You want breakfast? He was annoyed with her for rousting him out of bed before morning chime. When I wake up, who knew what erotic treats he might miss? 
Your eyes look open to me. She gave him a knowing smile. Busy night? He considered telling her that it was none of her business, but decided to flirt instead. Maybe he'd get lucky. Busy enough, he gave his shoulders a twitch, which made his cape flutter. You? I slept. I slept, too, Adel waited a beat. Eventually. God's Adel, Kamila laughed out loud. You're a handful, you know that? She put an arm around his shoulders and started walking him back up Dream Street. Mary and Jarek had better watch out. Adel wasn't quite sure what she meant, but he decided to let it drop for now. So, what's this about? A field trip. They started down the tulip stairway. What do you know about physics? Adel had studied comparative entertainment at Great Russell SNA, although he'd left school in his third year to train for the Harvest Olympics and to find himself. Unfortunately, he'd finished only sixth in the 200 meters, and Adel was still pretty much missing. Science in general, and physics in particular, had never been a strength. I know some, sort of. What's the first law of thermodynamics? The first law of thermodynamics. He closed his eyes and tried to picture the screen. Something like uh, a body stays in motion as long as it's in motion? Oh, great, she said wearily. Have you ever been in space? For the first time in days, he missed the familiar buzz of his opposites. He lifted their mute. She thinks we're a moron, buzzed Minus. We are a moron, plus buzzed. Everybody's in space, he said defensively. That's where all the planets are. We're traveling through space at this very moment. This wasn't meant to be a trick question, she said gently. I mean, have you ever been in a hard suit out in the vacuum? Oh, he said. No. You want to? Wow. Yes. He had to restrain himself from hugging her. Absolutely. Okay, then. She gestured at the entrance to the Chillingsworth breakfasting room. Let's grab something to take away and head down to the locker room. We need to oxygenate for about a half an hour. But why is she doing this? Buzzed Plus. There were two ways to the surface of the Godspeed, through the great bay doors of the well-met arena, or out the Clark airlock. Adel straddled a bench in the pre-breathing locker room and wolfed down a sausage and honey nut tort while Kamila explained what was about to happen. We have to spend another twenty minutes here, breathing a hundred percent oxygen to scrub the nitrogen out of our bodies. Then, just before we climb into the hard suits, we put on isotherms. She opened a locker and removed two silky black garments. You have to wait until the last minute. Isotherms take some getting used to, but they keep the hard suit from overheating. She tossed one to Adel. But how can that happen? He held the isotherm up. 
It had a hood and opened with a slide down the torso. The sleeves ended at the elbow and the pants at the knee. Isn't space just about as cold as anything gets? Yes, but the hard suit is airtight, which makes it hard to dissipate all the heat that you're going to be generating. Even though you get some servo assist, it's a big rig, Adel. You've got to work to get anywhere. She raised her steaming mug of kappa and winked at him. Adel rubbed the fabric of the isotherm between his thumb and forefinger. It was cool to the touch. Kamila sipped from the mug. Once we're out on the surface, she said, Speedy will be running all your systems. All you have to do is follow me. The Godspeed displayed on a section of wall. She was wearing an isotherm with the hood down. It clung to her like a second skin. Adel could see the outline of her nipples and the subtle wrinkles her pubic hair made in the fabric. But they're not real, Minus buzzed. What are you doing, Kamila? said the Godspeed. You were just out last week. Adel hasn't seen the view. I can show him any view he wants. I can fill the welcome arena with stars. He can see in ultraviolet, infrared. Yes, but it wouldn't be quite real, would it? Reality is overrated. The Godspeed waggled a finger at Kamila. You're taking an unusual interest in young Adel. I'm watching, perfect one. You're watching everyone, Speedy. That's how you get your cookies. With that, she pulled the top of her scrubs off. Time to get naked, Adel. Walk our hard suits out and start the checklist. Would you, Speedy? Those are real, buzzed Minus. Mary and Jarek, remember? We can look. And Adel did look as he slithered out of his own clothes. Although he was discreet about it, he managed to burn indelible images into his memory of Kamila undressing, the curve of her magnificent hip, the lush pendency of her breasts, the breathtaking expanse of her back as her tawny skin stretched tight over the nubs of her spine. She was a woman a man might drown in. Abruptly, he realized he was becoming aroused. He turned away from her, tossed his clothes into a locker, snatched at the isotherm, and pulled it on. And bit back a scream. Although it was as silken as when Kamila had pulled it out of the drawer, his isotherm felt like it had spent the last ten years in cryogenic storage. Adel's skin crawled beneath it, and his hands curled into fists. As a swimmer, Adel had experienced some precipitous temperature changes, but he had never dived into a pool filled with liquid hydrogen. Trying to kill us, screeched Minus. Are you all right? said Kamila. Your eyes look like eggs. Ah, uh, said Adel. Um, we can do this, buzzed Plus. Hang on, said Kamila. It passes. As the hard suits clumped around the corner of the locker room, their servos singing, Adel shivered and caught his breath. He thought he could hear every joint crack as he unclenched his fists and spread his fingers. When he pulled the isotherm hood over his head, 
he got the worst ice cream headache he'd ever had. This is going to be fun, he said through clenched teeth. The hard suits were gleaming white eggs with four arms, two legs, and a tail. The arms on either side were flex robotic and built for heavy lifting. Beside them were fabric sleeves into which a spacewalker could insert his arms for delicate work. The legs ended in ribbed plates, as did the snaking tail, which, Kamila explained, could be used as a stabilizer or an anchor. A silver ball the size of a coconut perched at the top of the suit. Just think of them as spaceships that walk, said Kamila. Okay, Speedy, pop the tops. The top translucent third of each egg swung back. Kamila muscled the stairway up to the closest hard suit. This one's yours. Settle in, but don't try moving just yet. Adel slid his legs into the suit's legs, and cool gel flowed around them, locking him into place. He ducked instinctively as the top came down, but he had plenty of room. Seals fastened with a scritch, and the heads-up display on the inside of the top began to glow with controls and diagnostics. Beneath the translucent top were finger pads for controlling the robotic lifter arms. Near them were the holes of the hard suit's sleeves. Adel stuck his arms through, flexed his fingers in the gloves, and turned his attention back to the HUD. He saw that he had forty hours of oxygen reserve, and his batteries were at ninety-eight percent of capacity. The temperature in the airlock was 15.52 degrees centigrade, and the air pressure was 6.89 millibars. Then the readouts faded, and the godspeed was studying him intently. She looked worried. Adol, what's going on? Is something going on? I'm afraid there is, and I don't want you mixed up in it. What does Kamila want with you? Adel felt a chill that had nothing to do with his isotherm. Don't say anything, buzzed Pless. We don't know anything. I don't know that she wants anything. He pulled his arms out of the hard suit's sleeves and folded them across his chest. I just thought she was being nice. All right, Adel, said Kamila over the calm. Take a stroll around the room. I want to see how you do in here where it's flat. Speedy will compensate if you have any trouble. I'm sure she's already in your ear. The Godspeed held a forefinger to her lips. Kamila is going to ask you to turn off your calm. That's when you must be especially careful, Adel. With that, she faded away. And Adel was staring, slack-jawed, at the H.U.D. Adel, said Kamila, are you napping in there? Adel took a couple of tentative steps. Moving the hard suit was a little like walking on stilts. He was high off the floor and couldn't really see or feel what was beneath his feet. When he twisted around, he caught sight of the tail whipping frantically behind him. But after walking for a few minutes, he decided that he could manage the suit. He lumbered behind Kamila through the inner hatch of the airlock, which slid shut. Adel listened to the muted chatter of pumps evacuating the lock 
until finally there wasn't enough air to carry sound. Moments later, the outer hatch opened. Ready? Kamila said. Remember that we're leaving the artificial gravity field. No leaps or bounds. You don't want to achieve escape velocity. Adel nodded. She can't see us, buzzed Minus. We have to talk to her. Adel cleared his throat. I've always wanted to see the stars from space. Actually, you won't have much of a view until later, she said. Let's go. As they passed through the hatch, the Godspeed announced, Suit lights are on. I'm deploying fireflies. Adel saw the silver ball lift from the top of Kamila's suit and float directly above her. The bottom half of it was now incandescent, lighting the surface of the Godspeed against the swarming darkness. At the same time, the ground around him lit up. He looked and saw his firefly hovering about a meter over the suit. Amazing, buzzed Plus. We're out. We're out in space. They crossed the flat staging pad just outside the airlock and stepped off onto the regolith. The rock had been pounded to gray dust by centuries of foot traffic. Whenever he took a step, the dust puffed underfoot and drifted slowly back to the ground like smoke. It was twenty centimeters deep in some places, but offered little resistance to his footplates. Adel's excitement leached slowly away as Kamila led him away from the airlock. He had to take mincing steps to keep from launching himself free of the Godspeed's tenuous gravitational pull. It was frustrating. He felt as if he were walking with a pillow between his legs. The sky was a huge disappointment as well. The fireflies washed out the light from all but the brightest stars. He'd seen better skies camping on harvest. So where are we going? Just around. How long will it take? Not that long. Hiding something? Buzzed Plus. Definitely. And what exactly are we going to do? A little bit of everything. One of her robotic arms gave him a playful wave. You'll see. They marched in silence for a while. Adel began to chafe at following Kamila's lead. He picked up his pace and drew alongside of her. The regolith here was not quite so trampled and much less regular, although a clearly defined trail showed that they were not the first to make this trek. They passed stones and rubble piles and boulders the size of houses and the occasional impact crater that the path circumnavigated. Impact crater, buzzed Minus. Um, Kamila, he said, how often does Speedy get hit by meteors? Never, said Kamila. The craters you see are all pre-launch. Interstellar space is pretty much empty, so it's not that much of a problem. I sweep the sky for incoming debris, said the Godspeed, up to five million meters away. And that works. So far, said Kamila. We wouldn't want to slam into anything traveling at a third the speed of light. They walked on for another ten minutes before Kamila stopped. There, she pointed. That's where we came from. Somewhere out there is home. Adel squinted. There was pretty much meaningless. 
Was she pointing at some particular star or a space between stars? This is the backside. If Speedy had a rear bumper, she said, we'd be standing on it right here. I want to show you something interesting. Pull your arms out of the sleeves. Done. The comm toggle is under the right arm keypad. Switch it off. The Godspeed broke into their conversation. Camila and Adol, you are about to disable a key safety feature of your hard suits. I strongly urge you to reconsider. I see the switch. Adol's throat was tight. You know, Speedy warned me about this back in the airlock. I'm sure she did. We go through this every time. You've done this before? Many times, she said. It's a tradition we've started, to bring the new arrival out here to see the sights. It's actually a spiritual thing, which is why Speedy doesn't really get it. I have to turn the comm off. Why? Because she's watching, Adel, Camilla said impatiently. She's always with us. She can't help herself. Young Adel, murmured the Godspeed, remember what I said. Trust Camilla. Or trust Speedy. We were warned. Adol flicked the toggle. Now what, he said to himself. His voice sounded very small in the suit. He was startled when Camilla leaned her suit against his so that the tops of the eggs were touching. It was a strangely intimate maneuver, almost like a kiss. Her face was an electric green shadow in the glow of the HUD. He was startled again when she spoke. Turn the calm off. He could hear her through the suit. She paused between each word, her voice reedy and metallic. I did, he said. He could see her shake her head and tap fingers to her ears. You have to shout. I did, Adel shouted. Good. She picked up a rock the size of a fist and held it at arm's length. Drop rock. She paused. Count how long to surface. Science experiments, buzzed Plus. She's gone crazy. Adel was inclined to agree with his minus, but what Camilla was asking seemed harmless enough. Ready? Yes! She let go. Adel counted. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand, five. And it was down. Yes, said Camilla. Five. Good. Keep secret, she paused. Come on. As he flicked the switch, he heard her saying, You feel it? My first time it was too subtle, but if you concentrate, you'll get it. Are you all right, Adel? murmured the Godspeed. What just happened? I don't know, said Adel, mystified. Well, we can try it again on the front side, said Camilla. Sometimes it's better there. Let's go. What is she talking about? Minus buzzed. For twenty minutes he trudged, in perplexed silence, past big rocks, little rocks, and powdered rocks, in all the colors of gray. 
In some places the surface of the trail was grainy like sand. In others it was dust. And in yet others it was bare ledge. Adel just didn't understand what he was supposed to have gotten from watching the rock drop. Something to do with gravity? What he didn't know about gravity would fill a barn. Eventually he gave up trying to figure it out. Kamala was right about one thing. It was real work walking in a hard suit. If it hadn't been for the isotherm, he would have long since broken a sweat. This has to get better, buzzed Plus. How much longer? said Adel at last. A while yet, Kamila chuckled. What are you, a little kid? Remember the day I got here, he said. You told me you were sentenced to spend time on Speedy, but you never said why. Not that interesting, really. Better than counting rocks. He stomped on a flat stone the size of his hand, breaking it into three pieces. Or I suppose I could sing. He gave her the first few bars of Do As We Don't in his finest atonal yodel. Gods, Adel, but you're a pest today. Kamila sighed. All right. So there's a religion on Suncast? Suncast, that's where you're from. That's where I was from. If I ever get off this rock, that's the last place I'm going to stay. If? buzzed Minus. Why did she say if? Anyway, there's a sect that call themselves God's Own Poor. They're very proud of themselves for having deliberately chosen not to own very much. They spout these endless lectures about how living simply is the way to true spirituality. It's all over the world net. And they have this tradition that once a year they leave their houses and put their belongings into a cart. Supposedly everything they own, but not really. Each of them drags the cart to a park or campground. This takes place in warm weather, naturally. And they spend two weeks congratulating themselves on how poor they are and how God loves them especially. What God do they worship? A few pray to Sagittarius A, the black hole at the center of the galaxy. But most are some flavor of eternal centerers. When it was founded, the poor might actually have been a legitimate religion. I mean, I see their point that owning too much can get in the way. Except that now, almost all of them have houses and furniture and every kind of vehicle. None of them tries to fit the living room couch on their carts. And you should see some of these carts. They cost more than I make in a year. From shocking people, Adel said. As a professional hijack? The calm was silent for a moment. Are you teasing me, young Adel? No, no. Adel bit back his grin. Not at all. Even though he knew she couldn't see it, she could apparently hear it inflected in his voice. So you were annoyed at them? I was. Lots of us were. It wasn't only that they were self-righteous hypocrites. I didn't like the way they commandeered the parks just when the rest of us wanted to use them. So I asked myself, how can I shock the poor, and what kind of purse can I make from doing it? A new trail diverged from the one they had been following. Kamila considered for a moment, then took it. She fell silent for a few minutes. Adel prompted her. And you came up with a plan? Why are we interested in this, buzzed Plus? Because we want to get her into bed. 
I did. First I took out a loan. I had to put my house up as collateral. I split 200,000 berries across 800 cash cards, so each one was worth 250. Next, I set my tent up at the annual poverty revival at Point Kingsley on the Prithy Sea, which you've never heard of, but which is one of the most beautiful places in the continuum. I passed as one of the poor, mingling with about 10,000 true believers. I parked a wheelbarrow outside the tent that had nothing in it but a suitcase and a shovel. That got a megagram of disapproval, which told me I was on to something. Just before dawn on the tenth day of the encampment, I tossed the suitcase and shoveled in the 800 cash cards. I parked my wheelbarrow at the tabernacle of the center and waited with a spy cam. I'd painted God Helps Those Who Help Themselves on the side. I thought that was a nice touch. I was there when people started to discover my little monetary miracle. I shot vids of several hundred of the poor dipping their hot hands into the cards. Some of them just grabbed a handful and ran, but quite a few tried to sneak up on the wheelbarrow when nobody was looking. But of course, everyone was. The wheelbarrow was empty in about an hour and a half, but people kept coming to look all morning. Adel was puzzled. But your sign said they were supposed to help themselves, he said. Why would they be ashamed? Well, they were supposed to be celebrating their devotion to poverty, not padding their personal assets. But the vids were just documentation. They weren't the sting. Understand that the cards were mine. Yes, I authorized all expenditures, but I also collected detailed reports on everything they bought. Everything, as in possessions, Adel, material goods, all kinds of stuff, and lots of it. I posted the complete record. For six days, my website was one of the most active on the world net. Then the local law exchange shut me down. Still, even after legal expenses and paying off the loan, I cleared almost 3,000 berries. Brilliant, buzzed Minus. She got caught, plus buzzed. But this was against the law on Suncast, said Adel. Actually, no. Kamila kicked at a stone and sent it skittering across the regolith. She trudged on in silence for a few moments. But I used a wheelbarrow, she said finally, which Lex ruled was too much like one of their carts, a cultural symbol. According to Lex, I had committed intolerant speech. If I had just set the cards out in a basket, the poor couldn't have touched me. But I didn't, and they did. In the remedy phase of my trial, the poor asked Lex to ship me here. I guess they thought I'd get religion. <laughs> and did you? You don't get to ask all the questions. The tail of her hard suit darted, and the footplate tapped the rear of Adel's suit. Your turn. Tell me something interesting about yourself, something that nobody knows. He considered. Well, I was a virgin when I got here. Something interesting, Adel? And I'm not anymore. That nobody knows, she said. 
Just trying to shock you, buzzed Plus. Bitch, Minus buzzed. All right, he said at last. I'm a libertarian. Camilla paused and then turned completely around once, as if to get her bearings. I don't know what that is. I have an implant that makes me hear voices. Sometimes they argue with each other. Oh? Camilla headed off the trail. About what? Adel picked his way after her. Mostly about what I should do. He sensed that he didn't really have her complete attention. Say I'm coming out of church and I see a wheelbarrow filled with cash cards. One voice might tell me to grab as many as I can. The other says no. I'd get tired of that soon enough. Or say someone insults me, hurts my feelings. One voice wants to understand her, and the other wants to kick her teeth in. But the thing is, the voices are all me. All right, then. Camilla paused, glanced left and then right, as if lining up landmarks. We're here. Too bad we can't kick her teeth in, buzzed Minus. Where's here? This is the front side, exactly opposite from where we just were. We should try shutting down again. This might be your lucky spot. I don't know if I want to, said Adel. What am I doing here, Camilla? Look, Adel, I'm sorry, she said. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I forget, you're just a kid. Come over here. Let me give you a hug. Oh, Adel was at once mollified by Camilla's apology and stung that she thought of him as a kid. We are a kid, Plus buzzed. And what kind of hug was he going to get in a hard suit? Shut up. You're only nine standard older than I am, he said, as he brought his suit within robotic arm's reach. I know. Her two arms snaked around him. Turn off your calm, Adel. This time the Godspeed made no objection. When the calm was off, Kamila didn't bother to speak. She picked up a rock and held it out. Adel waved for her to drop it. One one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand, five one thousand, six one thousand, seven one... Seven? Adel was confused. We messed up the count, buzzed Minus. Did not... He leaned into her and touched her top. Seven. Yes. She paused. Turn off lights. Adel found the control and heard a soft clunk as the firefly docked with his hard suit. He waved the suit lights off and blacked out the HUD, although he was not in a particularly spiritual mood. The blackness of space closed around them and the sky filled with the shyest of stars. Adel craned in the suit to see them all. Deep space was much more busy than he'd imagined. The stars were all different sizes, and many burned in colors, blues, yellows, oranges, and reds. A lot more reds than he would have thought. There were dense patches and sparse patches, and an elongated, wispy cloud that stretched across his field of vision that he assumed was the rest of the Milky Way. Amazing. But what's going on? Questions, said Camilla. Questions, he said under his breath. 
Damn right I have questions. When he shouted, he could hear the anger in his voice. Rocks! Mean! What? Speedy slows down. She paused. We don't know why. Another pause. Act normal. More later. Act normal. We're fucked. Come, he screamed. On. Careful, she said. Adol. He felt the slithering against his suit as she let go of him. He bashed at the comm switch and brought the suit lights on. The most amazing experience, isn't it? She was saying. It's almost like you're standing naked in space. Camilla! He tried to speak, but panic choked him. Adol, what's happening? said the Godspeed. Are you all right? I have to tell you, said Camilla. That first time I was actually a little scared, but I'm used to it now. But you, you did just fine. Fine, Adel said. His heart was pounding so hard he thought it might burst his chest. Just fine. And we'll stop there. Phew, that was a long one. But I couldn't see breaking up that scene. So, you have been listening to The Wreck of the Godspeed, which first appeared in Between Worlds, edited by Robert Silverberg. Rather than test your patience any longer in this protracted episode, I will just offer this tease. Adel's troubles are just beginning. To find out more, please click back next week to the Free Reads Podcast.